tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. of the Snoop D-O-double-G in D.C. Since day one, that has been the vibe of the show. It's been like this and like that and like this and uh... Okay! Right? And I cannot believe one of our podcast gods was here in Washington. I'm Angie Goff, the host of the show here. I'm here with my better half, someone who, like Snoop Dogg, Believes the more medicated, the more dedicated. You know what I mean? Thou shalt not try me. That's right. 24-7. Be on top, Brittany. Broccoli Fez, Broccoli on top, as my friend Jayla likes to call her. Okay, you were dropping it like it's hot with Snoop. Snoop, I mean, he still got it. Sold out show. Warren G was there, which was epic to see him. Snoop Dogg put on a hell of a show, and the crowd was diverse. I mean, all ages. You had some dads in there with their kids, some old people, some young people. Mm-hmm. Man, he dropped like it's hot every J he passed in the audience and never came back to him. <laughs> well, you know what he says? <laughs> it ain't no fun if the homies can't have none. Hey! Mm, bam! <laughs> Look what I found in the airport. I mean, is this legal? Robert was getting on my damn nerves. And I went to go buy me some yogurt and I saw at the cash out Hempzilla, full spectrum CBD, never isolates, whatever that means. Delicious gummies, phytocannabinoids, terpene rich, <laughs> no THC, no MSG. Thanks, won't fail so drug- it is legal. Oh, won't fail drug tests. That's key. That's all that matters. I've definitely had some hemp products, but not Hempzilla. It looks safe because, you know, hemp is available everywhere and so is CBD. Did it work? You don't supposedly feel anything with the CBD stuff. No, I was still pissed off at him. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to get with the program, Brittany. Maybe you can take me to the next concert. <laughs> Got you, boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, the only shit I inhale? Yeah, right. I have a steroid to open up my lungs. I can't breathe because I'm old. I'm old. I beg your pardon. We are getting into the spirit. We are Miami bound. Miami's a cool place, Blake. Angie, what are you doing? You know, just a little research before I head down to Miami for Super Bowl week festivities. Miami Vice is not research. Yes, it is. I'm going to be talking to the players. I'm going to have more on the halftime show. Well, TSA is not going to allow this. Yes, they will. That's an essential. Put it back right now. You were forgetting something. Mail it to me. I'll see you in a week. Now, if that doesn't tell you that I am the right decision to send down to Super Bowl week. I don't know what does. All I know is I am a little confused because both teams are red. Yes. This is going to mess me up. I know. There's like um, a Mahomes. Mahomes is the quarterback for one of them. All I know is I was saying the wrong thing. Patrick oh, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes. <laughs> oh, 
I was gonna like if I meet him, I was gonna go and be like, "Hey, are you ever chilling with Mahomes?" <laughs> I had this whole thing planned out. Now you just ruined it. Well, I guess I could still say chilling with Mahomes. That or works. what if I show up with Adora's Dorothy costume? There's no place like Mahomes. <laughs> There's no, no place, place like Mahomes. This is gonna be epic. There's no place no like. Do you think that'll work? That might really okay. work. And then I'll figure out who he plays for and all that good stuff. Yeah, that's And maybe is we'll hilarious. talk about some football. Um, so I have him. Now, Richard Sherman, I wanna meet his mom. They tried my baby once, but you won't get him twice. Best believe it. The Shermanator. We knew you'd be back. So um, I'm excited about seeing him. Educated them. and all that stuff in football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm getting there. I even got my flag. Flag is down. I got a jersey, and guess what? It's red. To add to the confusion, people are probably going to think I'm a player. There's so much to prepare for. I don't even know what to say. We've got the J Lo concert. J Lo and Ooh. Shakira. Which are they beefing? How is it to I be heard Shakira? something about they're like fighting or something. How sh- is it to be Shakira? Yeah, I mean, put yourself true. in her shoes. This is a J-Lo show. Make no mistake. That's true. We all know I have a J-Lo costume, but I kind of want to be Pitbull. Is the theme queen coming out of this closet? I tried to do a dry run of this last night, and it <laughs> was not working out well. <laughs> I feel like I look like, is it Dan Aykroyd from Coneheads? Grid-like breakfast slabs, extruded mammal tailings, seared strips of swine flesh, and flattened chicken embryos. I put it on, and I go, this is not what it looked like on Amazon. I cannot breathe. Apparently, so I gotta hard. cut the ears out or something. Angie, I think you're gonna like this comment, but the ball head cap is whiter than you. Really? You look tan. Okay, <laughs> I might get some bleach. What do you guys think? You think it'll work for media day? I'm really contemplating just because we're going to be in a hurry. Fox don't play. They're like, yeah, you take the plane, you go straight to media day. Like, no check-in to your, you know, Motel 6, nothing like that. We're going straight to media day. So I'm thinking about wearing this on the plane. I just can't wait to see how many people are going to ask for your autograph. I got to start <laughs> practicing that too. But, I mean, I need to start talking like Mr. Worldwide. Yeah. I'm Mr. Worldwide, 305. Mr. Worldwide. Best disgusting. in the world. <laughs> so do you think that they're going to take me seriously? I think... Pitbull might really take you seriously if he saw you in the crowd. This is a showstopper. And I hope I mean, he I asked you to be on stage. I look like Mr. Clean. It's the Pitbull in the building! Miami, I love you, you ready? I think this one's going to work. Okay, good. Please say you have white pants. Uh, yeah, I got a white satin shirt, too, and a purple pocket square. My might God. have even a little bulge for my pants. You know? <laughs> what you want to do? But you know he packing. One question that we've been asking all week, and I honestly have been on board with this for a while, is Super Bowl Sunday. This comes up every year. Why is it on a Sunday? Why is it not on a Saturday? And so we put it out to the people there at Fox 5, and for a while it was winning that people were like, yeah, we'd love it on a Saturday, or moving it up on a Sunday. Do you think the Super Bowl should be moved to Saturday? Well, saying yes, though. And my whole thing is, is that Monday is a sh- no, everybody, it's like the day after St. Patrick's Day, right? Yeah. Everybody is useless. Your productivity levels go down. Probably still a little drunk. Then you have people with families, the olds. I've hosted a couple of these. You came to one. Remember? Oh, I oh. love your Super Bowl party. Anybody who has children or offspring, they're like, oh, I gotta leave at halftime, get yeah. home. And it just ruins the buzz of the whole thing. So I do think that either doing it earlier or doing it on a Saturday would kill all that and just make it more fun. So you can chime in, let us know at the Oh My Golf Show on Instagram or just tweet us, whatever, and let us know because I want to feel like I'm not alone on this. I'm with Saturday. At least you can sleep in the next day. Nothing's worse than calling out on that Monday because they already know you was up late drinking. You've been drinking, sir? I had about a half a beer, but the dog had a lot.
Now we go from drinking to Adora's Cotillion. Oh my goodness. I know, I have to get a little bit of my family in here. So yes, this was a coming of age moment. I honestly didn't even know what this was. I mean, I know I'm from like the South, but we're like trailer park South. Like we don't do this like, you know, gone with the wind. Like walking down with like white gloves up to our necks and all that stuff. The best part is that Bob came downstairs and was irate in tears. Why did you send me up a cotillion? You do his voice so well. And, And I'm like, Bob, do you know what cotillion is? And he's like, no, it's a manners class. And he's like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Back to Pokemon. <laughs> she went to her first class. And, and she had to dress up a little bit, right? That was a fight. Right. But she ended up looking adorable, as you could tell. She um, did. I won. I'm bigger and I'm faster. I will always beat you. So she goes. And then afterwards, I'm like, how was it? And she's like, one, she's still wearing the white gloves. She won't give them to me because she's like, oh, I like how they feel. So I'm like, oh, see, I knew you'd like this. She's like, they made us dance with a boy. Ooh. And she's like, and they called us couples. <laughs> And I go, what was his name? She's like, I don't know. The more I look into it, the fact that she is learning these skills and it's an etiquette class and all that stuff. And I have a personal confession. Robert grew up in South Carolina. Right. So Uh, he's already used to this gang. A different South Carolina than like Mm -hmm. I came from. (laughs) So he knows how to like shag. He knows how to dance because they learned all that in school. Yeah. And that's what I want. I've always watched all the, you know, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Slipper and the Rose. These are like all old movies. And I love period pieces. I like Downton Abbey and the waltzes and the figure rates. I would just love to do that. And I know they have like ballroom What, what was your first dance like at the wedding? Let's just say... All I remember is that fantasy. I mean, they knew every single like soul song, rap song. But then when I was like, oh, this is our first song. He was like, oh, I don't know that. He was reading it off of a piece of paper. Like he had all the lyrics written down and it was Ingrid Michaelson's. Um, oh, yeah. I'll give yeah, you, you roses. Or I feel like more like song, right? I'll give you Rogaine when you oh, yeah, lose right. all your hair. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's a very loving song. And I was like, this is amazing. I'll give you Rogaine. Yeah. So we just did the whole like seventh grade dance thing. Oh, where it yeah, he didn't want to show you out too much with his waltz moves and all no, that. No, <laughs> I would love to do that. I would love to learn all the steps and figures of that English period. So maybe that might be something in the future. That'd be a fun couple, you know, date night, anniversary gift. And then renew your vows and have a legit first dance. Oh my God. Like, didn't Mariah Carey do that? Our guest this week is someone who wears many hats and has a whole lot of heart. I have huge dreams. I want to change the world. I'm crazy enough to think that I can. Author, businessman, professor, S.L. Young, known on these streets as Sly, Sly Young. His outlook on life wasn't always that positive. In fact, at one point along his journey, he was just moments away from taking his own life. He's found power in sharing his story, in reaching out to youth, to reaching out to inmates and community. And he joins us today with a very positive word. And we are so happy to have you join us, Sly. Good to see you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, we want to get started. You know, I, I mentioned that right off the top because I think it's really amazing when you meet someone who is so vibrant, so full of life, you radiate it in everything you do. I mean, I can feel it through your tweets. <laughs> yes. okay? And to know that you also come from a place where you hit near rock bottom, when you look at your past, it was not always smooth. And this actually started in high school. I read somewhere that you actually failed six of seven classes one year and you were ready to drop out. 
Uh, I wasn't ready to drop. I was ready to be kicked out. I missed six of seven classes, missed over a third of the school year, and they had a parent-teacher conference and said, get out. Wow. And my mom, smart or crazy, she said, it's your life. It's your choice. Make a choice right now. And that was the best thing that she could ever do for me because she put the responsibility on me. You made that decision. Did you do it alone, though? How did you decide to take that path? Well, it really was that moment. And then after that moment, I stayed at the same school, but I didn't do well. And then I was about to fail 10th grade a second time. And I used a change of address and I went to another school. And when I went to this different school, I said, you know what? I'm going to start all over. Nobody knows me. I can do different things. And so I started over again. I started doing track and field, participating in forensics and future business leaders of America. And I started lettering. My grades started to go up a little bit. I still was struggling, but I was determined to do something different because I knew that there was something more for me. And the interesting thing about my journey is along the way, I was standing in front of a McDonald's one day, and I don't know where this came from. And I can remember as it, I don't want to work at McDonald's for the rest of my life. And there's nothing wrong with working at McDonald's, but there was something inside of me that knew that I wanted more out of my life. And where that came from, I can only rely on my faith. That's powerful. Like an intervention of some sort. Absolutely. that That you can't explain. So you had this epiphany or you had this self-motivating moment that I think so many of us yearn for. I went to Strayer University. I took some classes, started to do well, had a bad experience with a professor where a windshield was falling off of my car. I decided to get it fixed. I rushed to go take the exam and showed her the receipt. And she said, it's too late. You failed the exam. And then that turned me around. And then I was like, I don't want to do school anymore. Took six months off. And then I went to Northern Virginia Community College and I had two semesters of a 0.0 average and they were on the verge of kicking me out. And then I was working for Xerox. I was doing well. I was winning awards. And I was like, well, why am I doing well here? But I can't do well here because I was around a bunch of great people that were pursuing higher education. They were doing a master's degree program. So I went to America and I said, hey, I haven't been a great student, but I'd like to come here too. So how do I get in? And they said, you can't get in the front door, but you can get in the back door. Take classes non-degree. And then if you do well, then you can get admitted. And so I got admitted. But my story really doesn't end there because even in my MBA program, I got kicked out of my MBA program because you needed to maintain a 3.0 average. And I took a class, finance, and I should have ran. I would have ran too. (laughs) Finance, No, no, it was my major, but I should have ran from this particular professor. My GPA dropped to a 2.97 and they kicked me out because it was right below a 3.0. And I had to make that hard decision. And what I realized is that if I was going to do this, it needed to be for me. And then everything turned around and my GPA took off after that. So do you think looking back, as you look at this pattern of failure, so to speak, which can also be looked as a pattern of growth, Mm -hmm. that that's what it was. Like you were doing all these things and you were not focused. You were not doing it for you. And that's why Northern Virginia Community College, you were getting a 0.0. I mean, semesters. I feel like if you just show up to class, you get a 0.1 at least. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I was taking classes online. I'll get to the work. Never got to the work. Then we fast forward from there. So it seems like things are going your way, but you write a lot. You have several books that are out and you talk about moving forward from depression and you talk about what I mentioned in the opening line where you were moments away from taking your own life and feeling like this was not a life worth living any longer. How did you get to that point? Whenever I talk about it, it's still emotional because I'm a happy-go-lucky guy, right? Long story short, I was working at a Fortune 500 company, doing well, decided to go out on my own, do some consulting, and I was working with people who were unethical. 
as a project program manager managing multi-million dollar projects with hundreds of people, I had to make the decision, do I do the right thing or not do the right thing? And there are so many people out there that are willing to do the wrong thing. And every time that it happened to me, it was about four, maybe five times, I walked away because that's not who I am or who I wanted to be. Because if I changed my moral compass for a job, for a salary, then I changed me. And I thought that if I did the right thing, because that's what everybody tells you you're supposed to do, good things would happen. Then I didn't get jobs. I lost everything. And then on the day, probably right before I almost ended my life, I realized that I was worth more debt than alive. And one day I woke up, I didn't plan it. All of a sudden, I was in the room, couldn't focus. It was foggy, gray, it was dark. And within a matter of moments after opening my eyes, I wanted to end my life. And I made my last planned phone call to my brother because I care for my mother. And I just said, in the event that something happens to me, I just wanted to know, excuse me, I just wanted to know that... uh, Oh, I didn't know I was going to get emotional, that mom was going to be okay. And um, I was going to get off the phone and he recognized that I was starting to break down. I hung up the phone and he called back for about an hour or so and uh, kept calling. And uh, (laughs) the interesting thing to me when he finally got a hold of me, when I called back, he said, you write these inspirational quotes because I was writing inspirational quotes to sort of uplift myself. And he said, you write inspirational quotes. Why don't you use your own quotes to save your life? You know, just basically listen to yourself. And the amazing thing that happened is three to five hours after that, I got up and I went to go teach inmates. I couldn't get in that day because they were on lockdown. But just getting up that day changed the trajectory of my life. You really credit your brother for helping pull you through. I wasn't going to get emotional, but. uh, That's good. It's okay. We feel you. uh, It was just March of 2014 since that happened. But, uh, you know, I want to turn it around really quickly because I made a decision to reach out to inmates. And in teaching them, they taught me a lot about life and living. And I never could have imagined that by telling my story, by being authentic and being vulnerable and writing about my journey first on my website, and then that led to me writing on the HuffPost, that it could help other people. And I never imagined that the journey that I went through would lead to helping students too, because I told them about my academic journey and I told them about my mental health. For the last two years, I've been teaching a class at Marymount University called Developing Foundational Strengths and Success Tools that is based on my life. So for those of you who are struggling right now and you think that you're alone, you're not. I almost died because I was unwilling to tell someone I was struggling with mental health. My pride, my ego, male bravado, and all that other stuff got in the way of me living. If you are out there struggling, tell someone, talk to someone, reach out to someone. There is always someone somewhere who's willing to listen. And I just wish I would have done it sooner. But I like to say that because of my faith, that I needed to go through the things that I went through to become the man that I am today. And it changed my whole mentality and my approach and my desire to help others. And even though, you know, I walked away from six-figure jobs, several of them, I lost almost everything that I ever had. But I remember my mom said to me earlier in my life, there's only two things that you have um, when everything else is gone, your dignity and your self-respect. And you relinquish those to no one. My life is more valuable now than I ever imagined that it could be because I reached out to thousands of people. Just one quick story. There's one woman in particular I have to mention, Mary Hansen. She's a mother who lost her son, I believe in February of 2012, to suicide. And she contacted me after I wrote an article on the first year after my near suicide. It was a letter to myself. And she reached out to me and she told me about her son and we forged a bond. So I'm putting this out in the universe right now because what I told her, because I've interviewed her and I told her, I said, I don't want to meet you 
until we meet in person. She knows what I look like. I don't know what she looks like. But one day we're going to meet because she is my other mother now, because she helped to save my life, because my story saved her. That is so amazing because you talk about the importance that you're just sick and tired of. We know the stigma that surrounds mental health and depression has been around forever, but you're tired of people just being quiet about it. It's Absolutely. It's time to speak up and more importantly, know that there are people out there that do care and that do matter. And it's important for those as supporters to be able to recognize the signs. Your brother, obviously, he knew. He had the intuition to call you back. He had the right words. I look at this and I know it's been a journey, but I look at you and I say, you are a lucky one because we've lost a lot of people because they either didn't reach out or they didn't have somebody on the other end of that phone. You have written a book. You've written several books. One of them, it's a small one, but it packs a lot of punch and you talk about it. And it's turning darkness into light, inspiring lessons after a near suicide. This has still been a process, Mm -hmm. obviously. I can tell just by speaking with you now, just knowing how close you were to not being here. With that, what would you say is the best advice for someone who is going through something like this? You really give a ray of hope through your own personal story, but there are other people that can barely just open their eyes. What would you say to them or people that are aware that they're living or they know someone who might be going through something similar? Find an outlet that works for you. Whether that's your church, whether that's going to talk to a psychiatrist, whether that's medication, whether it's talking to a friend, whether it's writing, journaling is a a powerful tool. Whatever you need to do to help you, go out and exercise. But the most important thing that I will tell you to do is don't withdraw. Because that was the thing that led to my downfall is I kept withdrawing from the things that I love to do. And that made everything heavier and darker. So don't withdraw. Find people who you can connect with and who are willing to listen not give their judgments or criticize you or say, well, there's people in Africa that are going through worse things than you are. That doesn't do any good for anybody. Just find someone that you can talk to and find your outlet. And even if you can't talk to someone, let it out by writing it or talk it out. There's nothing wrong with, hey, you're in a room, yell, scream, dance, do whatever you need to do to let it out. Mm -hmm. Just let it out. And you really don't believe you have to hit rock bottom. Absolutely not. You talk about that often. No, I wish I wouldn't have reached the point that I was about to end my life. There is no reason that I shouldn't have been able to tell anyone who was close to me that I was struggling. And so many people afterwards said to me, why didn't you reach out to me? It was pride. It was ego. It was judgment. The fear of being judged is one of the worst things that we have in this world and people criticizing us based on the judgments that we've made. Instead of judging people, try to understand and empathize and sympathize. And the best thing is just reach your hand out like you did earlier and just say, hey, I'm here for you. It doesn't take much. And sometimes being there doesn't require you to say a word. It just requires you just physically to be there. And that's it. You go into these jails, you say that this has now become one of the most rewarding experience of your entire life. When you talk to these inmates, what are you telling them? What are you teaching them? What skills are you giving them? At the jail, I teach them about life skills and business skills. So I teach them through my inspirational quotes. We use my books. It's a Crazy World Learn From It series, the ones that I wrote to help myself. So we go through those and we talk about them. We also read my book about my educational journey. We also talk about depression and mental health. And so it's just really being real. It's being authentic. It's being vulnerable. It's having real conversations. Say, hey, you guys uh, and gals are at a low point right now, but that doesn't mean that you can't turn it around. I've done it. And these are things that I've done. 
one of the things that was really powerful about my story that I knew that I was in the right place. And again, it's all about faith. My faith is everything. On the day that I went to go to the jail, because my friends and family read the books and they said, you need to take this to the jail because they can be inspired by your work. And I didn't realize that. And the day that I went to the jail, I walked in and I didn't know we were going to go to the housing unit that I was going to teach in, like 35, 40 guys. So we get up there. I walk in the first door and I was like, okay, this is cool because it's different seeing it on the outside versus being inside. And then the woman, Kristen Kane, who was with me, who's actually my hero, we swipe and go through the second door. And I was like, whoa, now I'm inside here with the inmates. And then I took two steps. And then I heard someone call me by my real name, which is Stacy. And I was like, well, they're not calling me. I took another couple of steps and they yelled louder and they said, Stacy. And then I was like, who's calling me? Right. And then I looked and this guy stood up and he said, hey, it's such and such from such and such. This guy was someone I used to run with in my sophomore and junior year of high school. Oh, wow. And that was the moment that I said, this is a sign that this is where I'm supposed to be. Five years after I started, it's a multi-winning organization. I've received recognition from the Department of Education, the Martin Luther King Innovative Service Award, also received within a couple of months of each other, the Distinguished Service Award for Arlington. So for any of you that think that turning your life around is not possible, it is. Take one step at a time, find your supporters, and it doesn't need to be within your family, but find your supporters, find your tribe, and then thrive. I love that you talk about how you give them soft skills so they can have an edge when they get out of jail and they can be productive members in our society. I will tell you, one of the most significant moments is when I'm out in the community and one of the guys that were in my class come up and say hello or come up and give me a hug and say, hey, thanks. That is what makes all the difference because I don't need the financial rewards. Just knowing that I've changed someone's life. But the one that really stands out to me is I was getting ready to go in the jail one day and I yelled this guy's name and then he saw me and he came running across the parking lot, jumped over the fence. And I was like, hey, nice to see you. And he slapped my hand away and he gave me a big bear hug. And that's the moment that I will always remember that validates my work. I want to know the best advice you've ever received. Believe in myself. Because if you don't believe in yourself, why should anybody else? Did it take you a long time to get there and take that advice? It took almost ending my life to finally believe in myself. Because every day now, there's a lot of haters and criticizers and judges and all that stuff. I don't think about them. I do me. My model for my work, and so whether that's reaching out to high schoolers, inmates, or just people at the university or anywhere, the model that I have now is it's not about me. It's about the collective we, and I'm trying to find the next me. So it's basically my goal is to help individuals to be and to do better. That's all I want to do. So I'm going to put one more thing out in the universe. So what I'm looking to do now, and this actually just came to me recently, is I want to take this class that I'm teaching now and start taking it around. So I'm going to start contacting local colleges and universities to start with and say, if you have students who are about to flunk out of school or right before they return, Let's get them in a program with me. Let's have a conversation because I've done the educational challenges. I've done the mental health challenges, and I know what it takes to survive. It's going to happen. All right. Yeah. We're going to put it out there. But oh, here's, yes. the, here's the bigger thing that I want to put out there. Because I've been working with inmates, my dream is why should I wait for the inmates to go inside the jail to take my program? Instead of sentencing folks to jail, sending them to my program. So instead of them coming to jail to take my program, they take it in advance. And instead of putting them in jail, I can help them to work towards 
education and then hopefully inspire them to go on to college and universities. And even if we don't do that, I can train them in the same classes that I teach at the university to get them ready for an entry-level job because everybody does not need a college degree or a master's or anything like that to be successful. I started by having a drive and a will and somebody opened a door at Xerox that changed my life. You never know that moment or that one person. I call them detours, you know, because we all have an idea of what our path and our journey is. But then we have those bumps in the road, which I believe whether they're good or bad bumps, they're placed there for a reason. They're placed there to help you grow and to teach you lessons and to teach you how to get back up or to get around something. And the reward we find is so much better, you know, when we do that. And so I love your idea, and I love the fact that you're always thinking of expansion and taking that next step. I do want to ask, though, looking back, what is your biggest regret? My biggest regret was just waiting so long to tell anyone. But what I regret more is that it took so long for me to share my story with others. Because when I was standing in a classroom one day, I was asking my students in my business class, Business 100, somewhere I just said, hey, I'm going to have these students be vulnerable. So I said, if you're vulnerable, what I'll do is I'll give you extra credit to be vulnerable. Very few students got up there. And then I had two students in particular. One was like a 60-something-year-old man who got up and said, I'm a recovering heroin addict. And then the one that I could have never anticipated, a young lady got up there and she said, my father died. And I said to my mother, I wish it would have been you. And I never anticipated that, but... It allowed us to connect in a real way. And then after that session, students came up to me because I was like, hold on. They're telling these stories and I'm showing them a video of me dancing crazy. Don't look for the video. It ain't out on internet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm dancing crazy, but I'm not being real. So that was the first time I said, you know what? I need to take off my mask now and say, I've struggled with education because I was afraid to tell anybody about my educational journey as a professor, as a businessman, people judging me. Exactly. I mean, that's your credibility. Exactly. So I was afraid to tell. But once I decided to tell them, then that's when things started to change. What is your final hope? More individuals will find themselves and find the best version of themselves and not be restricted or held back by the concerns of others. And they'll understand that we're all in this world together to help, not to hurt. Everybody has a journey, and we should all be helping each other to achieve it. You are a gift. This world is a better place with you in it. I'm glad that you're here, and we appreciate you stopping by. Several more books, resources, all of that. You can find it at slyoung.com. And then you're working on some new stuff real quick. Yep, screenplay about my educational journey. That's the first thing I'm working on. I want to do one on my mental health journey as well. Well, we look forward to hearing all about that. You'll have to come back and visit us. SL Young, thanks so much for joining us and good luck. Thank you. Now we dive deep for this week's Awakening. That's my colleague, Dave Butts, freezing his ass off. No pun intended. Well, yes, pun intended. Absolutely. (laughs) For a good reason, Dave and his buddy Mike Hoyp, who is actually a Special Olympics athlete and the person he teamed up with this year, they're considered super plungers. They don't go around like cleaning toilets like all across the nation. They're not like great at that. They actually volunteer to torture themselves by plunging into the frigid Chesapeake Bay They're maniacs, like 52 times, okay? Dave did this. I work with Dave at Fox 5. He's a brilliant editor. I don't know if his mind is going to work anymore. That's what I'm most (laughs) concerned about. I know his heart is still beating because he was able to send us this video. The water was obviously cold. It was a lot of wind. But overall, the event is such a fun time and such a great time seeing everybody and seeing people that are there for such a great cause. 
So this is for Special Olympics. Together, the entire group, all those plungers and all those crazy people, I do love how they decked out. You know, you might get me there if you tell me I can dress up. $400,000. It was record-breaking this year. And Dave and Mike talk about a major team. Every time he dunked himself, it was like more money. He'd go and ring that bell. They raised nearly $16,000 alone. So hats off to Dave Butts. Woohoo! I just like saying that. Yeah, Dave Dave Butts. And Mike Hoype for taking the plunge for a great cause and being this week's inspiration for our awakening. Next, I guess I'll be in Miami. Miami. Hey, MIA. Mm-hmm. Get ready for mm-hmm. Angie. Oh, my Lord. They're in for it. Uh, yes. Hey. Uh, yeah, Any more yeah, yeah. Uh, wardrobe Any, changes? Right. Uh, Tips or tricks while down in the MIA? Questions to ask uh, my homies? <laughs> you know what to hit up. Info at ohmygolf.com. Let me know. I might take a little salsa class. Okay, get warmed up. Yeah, that sunshine stay going to be good for you, girl. Okay, I might work on my little tune. I'm going to be on my glow when I come back. <laughs> I love it. Brittany, we got a lot of stuff on the website too, right? Oh my gosh, so much. Ohmygolf.com. Check out Fave Things. You can also take a look at our past episodes. And don't forget to share what's good. Yes, and we have News Bash 2020 coming up. So if you yes. are in the D.C. area and want to come and hang with us, February 18th, all the deets are there. And if you can't be here, please consider making a difference and donating. The group we're helping this year for breast cancer, they're known as the Stepsisters, and they do great things. So next week, Super Bowl week, and we're going to be talking about love. in front of the camera did you have one of those roads where you hear all the time where they sent you to Topeka and then mm-hmm. to Wichita and then to, you yeah. know and then to Saskatchewan and oh, then yeah. all around did you have to do that I well, I did but I wasn't good enough think about all the places I got rejected from El Paso Flint and it's it's hilarious when I look back at it now because it was devastating so, so, so- I've actually had a news director I remember when I was in California that looked over my tape and he's like I, I don't even know what to tell you this was in, in front of a group of panel people because we were all going through our tapes. We were at this little conference in Palm Springs. And I just remember being doubting myself and saying, gosh, maybe I am in the wrong business. Maybe this isn't what I'm meant to do. Uh, so but, the first brutal rejection oh, where the person was, was like, why are you even here? This is, yes, he was a top he was a top news director for one of the L.A. stations, which at the time was probably one of my ultimate KTLA dreams. Right? Yeah, or... one of those. And I think that what helped me is that I went back and I talked with another journalist who had done really well. And she actually had worked for that news director. And she said, well, this is what he told me. And now look at me. And so I right. think that finding people like... Like I said, you know, the support group, mentors, leaning on others, sometimes even pestering them. That's where you're <laughs> going to find your strength. I say this all the time. While I had friends that were passing me by and were going to their first jobs in Topeka or even higher. I mean, some of them got in big markets. I knew that I had to take the opportunity that was in front of me. And that was a job that was behind the scenes. And then on the side, I could work on trying to get towards that goal. So every decision I've ever made in my career and it started then, was does this get me closer to ultimately what I want to be doing? If I work hard enough, the only person that can stop you is you. And if I can answer that question and say, hey, yeah, 
This is not the end-all be-all. Everything is temporary. The sky's the limit, as cliche as it sounds. Then that was enough mentally to help me just push through it. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Check out our YouTube channel and follow The Oh My Golf Show on Instagram. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Oh,